1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: The Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. With Mully and Haw. Biggs. Biggs time. The Biggs Report. With Brad Biggs.
1: Biggs time. Biggs His name is Brad Bigs. Biggs. And Biggs Talks Football with you.
2: <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. 7 the score. Brad Biggs is the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a valued friend. And he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial, banking personal. Biggs, hey! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, we were talking this morning about this idea that, uh, you know, you watch the playoffs and you think, wow, you know, Justin Fields really, um, he's got to make that jump that Jalen Hurts made. If he can do that, they can be so good. And then you think, wow, like what a pity that the the Niners didn't take him. I mean, they're going through quarterbacks like crazy. They went through four of them. And uh, it's a pity that one of them wasn't Justin Fields because maybe – he would have stayed healthy, and maybe he'd be in the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, you look at that move that uh, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made to take Trey Lance, and it's a little confounding because they have clearly done a top-notch job for the last several years in, in many respects. Number one, building that roster, right, that the 49ers didn't get good um, on defense, and around the quarterback overnight. That's something that uh, they've pushed a lot of the right buttons. And then you talk about Kyle Shanahan and his ability to um, direct a highly productive, uh, explosive offense, and he's, he's got a track record for that. So So them passing on Justin Fields in that draft you, you sort of step back and you say, why would they why would they do that? And the guy that they took uh hasn't been able to stay healthy, uh has hasn't looked uh particularly hot in very a very small sample size, but that's uh, that's kinda interesting. And of course the Jets uh also passing on fields, you know, you hear a lot of people say Justin Fields would be the number one quarterback taken in this draft and is that based off of what he did in college or what he's done in the NFL I don't know the answer to that I just hear a lot of people say he'd be the top quarterback taken in this draft because based off what he did in college why were why were Lance and um, Zach Wilson taken ahead of him you got to explain that to me
4: Yeah, workout warriors. I mean, that was the the workout process, probably uh, convinced a lot of people. We'll see that. Well, right, but fields, like fields working, like, you know, shorts, no helmets, it's it's going to be amazing as well. Yeah, it's something they're going to regret for a long time. I want to talk about yesterday, though, Brad, in terms of what surprised you, if anything, because. We watched the game, and the first one, as Molly and I kind of talked about, was a little bit of a bulky game. Was got off to a a, kind of tough start because of the interruptions, the injuries, the penalties, and the you know the turnaround. But what happened uh, in the second game was more what we expected. What to how did you watch yesterday in terms of what surprised you the most, if anything? Yeah, I don't
3: know if there were any big surprises yesterday. Certainly. After Brack Purdy went out early in that game, you you just thought that well, geez, Josh Johnson's going to get forced in a couple really big mistakes here, and Philadelphia's going to going to coast, and then Josh Johnson gets hurt, and that that was kind of that. Um, the second game, pretty compelling second half, that's for sure. Boy, that Joseph Azai, uh Osai played played his butt off, but that. Really regretful penalty there at the end, setting up the makeable uh, field goal for Harrison Butker because it looked like that thing was headed to uh, overtime. Uh, certainly, some officiating in both games that people talk about for a while. I think uh, you got to hand um, the Bengals coach Zach Taylor some credit for how he sort of navigated that uh, post-game. Pretty classy, and uh, hopefully, it sets up uh for a very intriguing super bowl with Jalen Hurts against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid against his former team uh although shoot Andy's been with the Chiefs for 10 seasons now so he's been out of Philadelphia for quite a while
2: 14 years in Philly is that right is that how long yeah. he
3: was there yeah. yeah yeah i mean he's like you start looking at some of these all-time coaching marks and and he is uh he's way up there cuz you you just maybe because he wasn't in one spot forever you lose sight of the fact that he's been a head coach for uh for almost a quarter century the 24 seasons now.
2: You know, we we talked to Clay Harbor last week and he um is very good friends with uh Jason Kelsey, right? Was with was originally drafted by Philadelphia, became buddies with him and and met Travis through the brother, and, you know, talked to him, and, and he told Clay said that he told him that he was going to, you know, he wanted to play in the NFL, and he was, you know, hoping to have, like, a good career in the NFL, and he thought it was, like, an insane idea. Like, I mean, you know, your brother made it. It's not often you see brothers. Now you got the brothers in the Super Bowl, right? And and you can argue it. Uh, Clay feels both are on a track for the Hall of Fame, which is good news because if Jason Kelsey makes it, should Nolan Krutz... And I'm not, I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying, I think Olin has the same awards over the course of his career, but obviously no one's going to argue about, uh, about Travis Kelsey. Do you think Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer? Well, he's, he's a guy that's been kind of more recognized for
3: his ability and his accomplishments in the second half of his career than in the first half of his career, if that makes sense. Like, and maybe that's just because the Eagles have been better and he's gotten a little, a little more media attention. I, I don't know precisely why, but um, you've certainly heard a lot more about him in the last six years than you, you did in the, in the beginning stages of his career. So that'll be interesting. And, and certainly having brothers go against each other is a big deal. I know that was. Um, something that that people were um, really looking at and hoping would happen. And it was, it was a story when they played last year, they, those teams met up last year in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It was earlier in the year, uh, Kansas city won that game 42 to 30. So it was defense optional. Uh, Tyree kill guys went, went, uh, went bonkers in that game. He had almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. Of course, uh, the chiefs, uh, no longer have him, and they had some banged-up wide receivers by the end of that game yesterday.
4: So, Brad, five years after the Bears hired Matt Nagy as their head coach, Matt Nagy will coach in a Super Bowl. Not exactly how it was planned. Some other details got in the way, but he will be there. That's a Bears connection. But I think the biggest Bears coaching connection that was on display on Sunday, Dave Tobe's special teams, without that return, uh, that punt return, 27 yeah. yards yeah. at the end of the game, right before the, the game-winning field goal, that that was a play that gets often overlooked, but that was a huge play in that victory.
3: Yeah, the, the rookie Sky Moore with the 29-yard return to midfield, yeah, absolutely made it. So then the hit out of bounds by Osai on Mahomes puts them – in field goal range, you take away uh, the hit out of bounds or the punt return, and I don't think that's there's a makeable field goal at the end of that game. They might have attempted one. I don't think it would have uh, reached the end zone, and that's good for Dave because, if you, guys, if you look at the statistics this season, the Chiefs had a rough time on special teams, believe it or not. Dave Tobe, a guy who was consistently directed – one of the best units in the league, Kansas City, had a difficult time on special teams this year, and um, you know, that can be the product of having a roster where you've got a lot of money committed mm-hmm. to some star players, and um, you're, you're having to replenish, and uh, it's just difficult to keep uh, experienced special teams players that know what it takes to to go out there and get it done. You're using younger, less experienced guys, and you can have critical breakdowns, which is what we saw from the Bears in the second half of the season. The Bears through the first half of this past year, they were all right on special teams. They were better than all right. They were doing well. Really, the only hiccup you had was was Bayless Jones with those mucked punts early in the season. Then the extra point issues came for Cairo Santos, and then, you know, they had some bigger mistakes where guys were kind of taking turns with uh with airs. And so a big moment for Dave Tobe and his special teams unit at at the end of what was a difficult season. I mean, like you look at those Rick Goslin rankings and the Chiefs are the Chiefs are right near the bottom guys. And if and if I would ask you where do you think Tobe is this year in the rankings, I'm I'm guessing most people would have figured well, if he's, he's not in the top ten, he's right close. No, they were they were very near the bottom.
2: Well, that that is what happens when you have um, you know a highly paid quarterback when you you know have to get rid of a great receiver because you can't afford him anymore, and that's fine provided the guy is Patrick Mahomes. It, it, you know, I I guess the greatest Bears connection to this game may be Mahomes yet again. You know, they <laughs> they missed on him, Brad. I'm not sure if you're aware. They uh they could have had that guy, but they preferred uh one Mitchell Trubisky. Well,
3: what'll be interesting is the Bears play the Chiefs this next season. So will will you have remember the last time that happened, Mahomes was was counting off the teams that had passed on him after the uh after the touchdown at Soldier Field,
4: right? <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but but Brad, I I guess it begs to ask this question. You know, Andy Reid, you you mentioned the longevity. And and 10 years ago, when Lovey Smith got fired, the the Eagles fired Andy Reid that same cycle. Four days later, Andy Reid was coaching the Chiefs. He took the job that soon, and he's obviously had the success there. If he beats his former team, if he wins a Super Bowl at this stage of his career, is there any suggestion, is there any possibility that he walks away, rides off into the sunset and says – I've done enough. I'm going to go out on my terms on top.
3: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, so many of these guys are just wired to like it, it's just in their DNA. They're lifers, right? And so the guys like that just just kind of keep keep uh, trucking and keep moving on. Um, I, without any knowledge of dealing with Andy on any sort of regular basis at all, I. I'd, really can't answer that kind of question Um, unless, unless he's not having fun anymore. uh, It would be hard for me to see him walking away, even if he, uh, even if they, they win this game. And, uh, and I'm sure hoping we've got a, uh, an entertaining uh, football game ahead of us.
2: You know, I'm, I'm been at this long enough to remember calling Andy when he was the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers, and the Bears had a job opening, and he did not take my call, but he had someone call me back and tell me, Andy's going to go to Philadelphia.
4: <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? The Bears that's had where an he got his first Super Bowl that's ring. Right. That's right. with the Packers as an assistant coach. Yeah, that's right. And you know what's interesting, homegrown too? Guy, about right? Yeah, homegrown guy. And, Brad, about this matchup with Sirianni, when Andy Reid took the Chiefs job, the wide receivers coach at the time – was Nick Sirianni, and Andy Reid fired him uh, because he had. I think his David Culley was coming in as his wide receiver coach, so they have a little bit of history. This is going to be a fun matchup because of the former team aspect, and also because the coaches have kind of crossed paths before. Right, and you've got you've got some some good defenses too. I like Jonathan Gannon, the
3: Eagles' defensive coordinator, has done a really bang up job this season. In, in Philadelphia, and then I don't know that Steve Spagnuolo gets as much credit as he deserves in Kansas City for the defense there, which it, you know might always not be great statistically, but he usually has a crafty plan, and uh, they've clearly got some you know, some really big time players up front: Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and uh, that will make it an interesting game. You know, you saw Cincinnati just struggled with the missing offensive lineman yesterday. And that was a problem. And Philadelphia's offensive line is going to be much more stout than the one that Kansas city encountered yesterday against the Bengals.
2: You know, we, we had talked about uh, the NFL. There were a couple of uh, weird calls over the course of, uh, of the weekend, not the strangest of which was, uh, was uh, the the, um, the reception on fourth and three uh, that led was it Devonte um, Smith uh, makes a one handed grab unbelievable catch and there's no challenge flag and they rush to the line and they get a playoff and whatever 28 seconds and that leads to the first touchdown and we we went over this idea of how is it that um, that the league you know they've changed the rules of review so the league could have jumped in at that point um and instead uh you, you end up with this situation where you know they you, everyone's blaming Kyle Shanahan for not throwing the, the flag he never saw any good cut of it um you know I remember Lovey Smith used to say that he used the challenge flag they they lost a lot of challenges when in under Levy and I asked him one time like why how do you go about it? And he said, any play that we feel can be determinant in the game, whether it's early, late, whenever, we'll throw the flag. Because even, you know, sometimes, you know, if if it's a guy making a first out, sometimes you can check that. They, they didn't Mike care yesterday. what it was. Like, <laughs> like, in other words, he'd have thrown the flag yeah. on that play.
3: Right. And it, and it was a big play, but based on what happened in the game. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, forty ers still would have lost the game uh, as things unfolded. You just wonder, with the advances in technology and the discussion that's gone on for a while now about the idea of a sky judge, uh, if something like that uh, comes into play I, as a strictly as a viewer. And I don't know. If some people maybe agree. Some people perhaps disagree strictly as a viewer. I don't necessarily want a clunky adventure watching a football game that normally fits into a three hour window. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you just don't want this sky judge being like one of the, uh, one of the main stars of the game, right? You don't want them going to sky judge uh seven times, uh, we, during a football game, where you got the clock stopping, you got them going a commercial. Like well, not I, strictly
4: as a viewer, I, Brad, but strictly as a gambler, maybe. I, you, you know, I'm I mean, just talking as a viewer,
3: Dave. You know, I just like
4: <laughs> it, but, I don't. But <laughs> I, I, they can't ignore that aspect of it either, because I understand what you're saying. You want everything in a three-hour, fifteen-minute package, but. So, three hours,
3: please. No, I don't, okay. don't want to watch your college football. Three hours. <laughs>
4: okay, three hours. <laughs> you know what I mean, Biggs. Come on. Uh, you have so much with gambling now. So, so pervasive. I don't know how you can pass up an opportunity to make sure that you get every detail correct. Yeah, your, your goal is going to be to get every call correct. I That's
3: fantasy, man. Like, you're not going to be able to get every one. There are going to be missed holding calls. There's going to be... Uh, questionable uh, pass interference calls. Like, I mean, you've you've got, there's a human element uh, to it that you're not going to be able to completely uh, erase with uh, or or correct with technology, with the sky judge, with whatever you want to call it, with more challenge flags.
2: You know, what was interesting, I I, I mentioned to David earlier, I saw Kevin Seifert wrote a thing about the rule saying that they they had changed a – the rule back in 2021 to offer something called replay assist or expediated review, which is basically the league office in New York. They have this new technology called Hawkeye. It's a replay technology where they can check immediately what the call is. And if they see that the, the catch wasn't made, they can stop the game, let the officials know, and you'd, you'd have, uh, you know, they would not have made the fourth and three and, and uh, you'd have a different game. Um, so I don't blame Shanahan as much as I blame the league. You can't let, if you can't see it in real time and they're showing it, he said he was looking at the scoreboard. I don't really blame him for not just throwing the flag if he thought it was a catch, but I do early in the game. Right. Exactly. But I wonder why the league can't get involved. Well, I, I think the league was involved.
3: If you think, let's, let's think to the second half of the AFC game. Where Mahomes uh is out of the pocket to his left, and he's he's being taken down and or he's going down, and his shin hit the ground before he released that little pass in along the sideline and At first it was a completed uh pass and then they you know there was sort of a slight pause in the action, and they indicated that Cincinnati had thrown the challenge flag well they didn't force the Bengals to use the challenge flag the officials got together somebody in Ron Torbert's ear the referee said hey um that's uh you know his shin was down before uh the ball was out there so that's an example of that technology working there uh it didn't work on the Devonta Smith reception and and obviously uh to and to uh if you've got this available and you're able to utilize it, you want to see it be a little more effective and efficient on every call. like that. Now, let, let's be clear, though, that Mahomes' shin being down was much easier to see immediately yes. than the, the Devonta Smith thing. You needed a couple angles there. Um, and It would, that's take way too long.
4: It would yeah. have taken way too long. No, it would have yeah, ruined your three-hour, 15-minute three window. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you where you're going there, Brad. Uh, I,
2: I get yeah,
3: yeah. but I mean, like you watch, you, you just you don't want to see be watching a game and it just be constantly being paused. I th- I think that yeah, the it was
2: very herky jerky both games. Frankly, there were too many calls, and I, honestly, it, it there was no there was no pace or rhythm to either of those games. In my opinion, I didn't like it.
4: Great stuff, Brad.
2: Thank you, buddy. Have a great day, guys. That is our guy Brad Biggs. He is the football man of the Chicago Tribune. It was also like a really weird punt uh, that we should talk about. That uh,
4: yeah, was that all about? You
2: could have gotten a call there because clearly it hits the sky cam. That was
4: part of that first quarter it was just yeah,
2: it was just I, off kilter. All right, three one oh, two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It ruined three hour window. Mully and Ha, the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
4: Yeah, that's the thing. They have to have a clear shot that shows that it did hit the wire. By the way, a wire, any object, any type of thing. So sometimes very difficult to see, even though we saw that clear reaction by Philadelphia. But if they can't see it.
1: We cannot confirm whether the ball hit the wire or not. As a result, the penalty will be enforced from the succeeding spot, first down. Apologies for the delay, but we wanted to confirm that.
2: Yeah, they confirmed they couldn't see anything. That's a bad <laughs> Mull- look. well get on the score. That's a bad look. Well, here's the thing. So it was a th- – now listen, Brett Kern had a terrible game. He, it's not like he was punting spectacularly or anything. But he has this punt, which ended up traveling 34 yards. And the trajectory of the ball changed after he had kicked it. And so – I, I mean, it was obvious. I, How could I was, they not confirm that? No, I was wondering, like, can't they look at the sky cam? And can't they just, det- like, oh, it's moving. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it be as simple as seeing a shaky common wire? Common
4: sense. Yeah, I there, don't know. There was a, a lack and, of common and sense. And the
2: minute he did it, all these guys are running out from Philadelphia. Look, it hit the wire. Yeah. And, and they're like, okay, we got to confirm. Oh, we can't see it. Okay, never
4: mind. It it was just when one of those moments in that first quarter. You're like, just get through this first quarter. <laughs> it was a bad start to a good day overall of football. And the the Eagles won handily, but that first quarter dictated the course of what would happen afterward. You know, Brad Brad's right. When a thirty-one to seven game, you don't want to focus on that one non-call yes. that fourth and three you know, incompletion that would have given the 49ers a ball. On the other hand, Mully, you could make a pretty logical argument that, you know, had the 49ers gotten the ball in that situation, gone down and scored and played with the lead, a lot of other things might not have happened. You could make that argument as well. So it was a big moment in the game. The NFL cannot be happy with the way that it was handled, whether it was that lack of a replay that, you know, that they should have, had somebody intervene or the ball hitting the wire and nobody being able to confirm that. That's a bad look for the league.
2: It's a terrible look for the league and you know it's a bad look for the league when there's so many penalties called on a championship game. You know, back in the day, I believe it was uh, the first Super Bowl that Bill Belichick won against the uh, the Rams. So the Rams won the Super Bowl. They came back the next year and this is the Tom Brady uh, the first, the, you know, the the um, the Patriot Super Bowl. Um, the, the thinking was that Belichick understood the league was not going to be calling a penalty on every play. They didn't want to interrupt their game. So cynically, the Patriots were basically mugging every Rams player, every play, uh, trying to keep the greatest show on turf under wraps. And I believe that was when Mike Martz had first taken over. Mm-hmm. and uh and they lost that super bowl and there there was you know there was the the whole had they been looking at had they been taping practice and looking at the plays did they commit pass interference on every play whatever it was the idea was the league did not want the league wanted their big game to go off without the officials throwing a flag on every play and whether that's right or not i i think that uh it probably makes sense that
4: Ooh. that they don't want that to happen. They don't want that to happen, and that was a coach taking advantage of that yes. reality. Yes. But yesterday was more of a case. It wasn't so much a strategic advantage that anyone was gaining. This no. was just downright negligence or incompetence or whatever you want to use to describe either calling too many things right, or not. Or, or missing others. It was just a bad day for officiating. It wasn't smooth Be- at all. You know, let's let's take the the big play that everyone's focused on, the Mahomes run that ended up with a size uh, out of bounds, a late hit, and that was regrettable, and he cried, and yeah, you feel empathy for him. Right. But that distracted everybody from, if you watch that play, there's a couple examples of holding yeah. that were missed. Yeah. Blatant holds. And that may go on every snap in the NFL, but it, it, again, it underscores what you're saying is that, you know, this has got to be something that you hope the league looks at. And I I don't know. It seems like there's a constant familiar refrain after playoff games, after big games, when the officiating is as bad as it was yesterday. Something's got to change. I don't think it's because it's rigged as was trending on Twitter yesterday. I just think there's just some bad some bad yeah, officials going and I, I think out there. That, I think that bad
2: officiating one of the one of the signs of it is when you you know maybe not even meaning to start giving calls more to the home team than the away you get you get influenced by the noise of the crowd. You get influenced by the you know the chants and the screams and the everybody you, you got to maintain neutrality and you got to just Make sure you stay in the moment and don't let that stuff impact you at all. And that's a very difficult thing to uh, – to, to to. it's an easy thing to say and a difficult thing to do.
4: It is because you, you look at how fast things happen and you don't want to be – that's why I don't want to be overly critical because it's a tough job. Things are happening so fast that – but it's it, there's so much at stake as well. And that's why I did kind of push back with Big Z. Yeah. it may be a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. There's so much riding on these outcomes. Not only because of well, gamb- gamblers, yeah, right, yeah. but the players and the coaches and these communities and cities that the viewers wanting to get out of there in 3 hours is f- largely irrelevant.
2: So we've been lucky enough to be in the uh, in Vegas for the Super Bowl. And it's an extraordinary game to watch because of the reaction of the crowd.
4: Yeah. No doubt about it, and there, there's there's
2: there's, there's it, bets hitting, there's guys it, hitting over under numbers, whatever it is, it, and it'll be like one part of the room, everyone starts screaming, like what happened? Well, th- this guy got three yards, exactly. Yeah. It's like the under great.
4: Yeah, you it's know, insane. and and speaking of gambling and odds, and and if you would have bet this, what about had you taken a bet at the beginning of the season when you were being the Swami and calling who was going to play in the Super Bowl? Would you ever have predicted, great Swami Mully? that the ex-Green Bay Packer receiver to have the biggest impact you know in the playoffs would be Marquez Valdez-Scantling and not Devontae Adams. i got to tell you something. I, I, I'm watching that game, and that guy, you know,
2: they got receivers going down all over, and that guy ends up as the guy making all the plays. And I thought to myself, damn. The Packers should have hung on to that guy. Yes. That guy would have had an unbelievable year for them
4: because they didn't have
2: anybody. It took forever to get those rookies developed.
4: Six catches, 116 yards, one touchdown. That was a good day, eight targets, because they couldn't target anybody else with the injuries. He came through in a big way, and I think the knock against him at Green Bay, he, he, he got on the wrong side of Rodgers at one point, didn't oh, he, boy. like every receiver does? Yeah. But I think you look at what he was capable of doing – that's a that's somebody coming through in a clutch in you know. a I agree. That
2: was a big big play. A big a big series of plays. I mean they he became their best receiver. They had a guy, they had like a practice squad receiver, somebody they had brought up just to fill out the roster on game day and the guy ended up playing the second half of yeah. the NFC Champ or AFC Championship.
4: Unbelievable how to be pressed into action. Back to Travis Kelsey for a second. I wanted to follow through on a tease that the Brian Kelly uh uh, oh, yeah. mention yeah. his backstory is is fascinating i know it probably people have heard it before but it bears repeating as he gets ready to play against his brother in the super bowl went to cincinnati as a freshman recruited as a quarterback found out at his high school graduation party when his high school coach hugged him goodbye said hey you know what they they may not give you a full look at quarterback and don't be surprised if you end up in as a tight end and you're going to be in the NFL someday." And Kelsey pushed back at that idea, wanted to play quarterback. Brian Kelly gradually came up with a package of plays where he played quarterback as a wildcat quarterback because he was such a good athlete. Eventually played him at tight end. Brian Kelly moves on to Notre Dame. Uh, Travis Kelsey gets in a little bit of trouble, but Butch Jones comes in. And by the end of his senior year, became this unguardable force and really was a guy that ran his way open. The, there's not it's not accidental that he is so wide open. This guy knows how to find holes in a defense. He looks at, the, he looks at defenses like a quarterback would because that's the way his mind sort of is wired, and now he's going to the Hall of Fame. What a story.
2: Incredible story. It, it, it really is. And, and I mean, he is, he is going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal player. And uh, and and he's going to be a big part of whatever their game plan is. In the Super
4: Bowl. And he came no, into not yesterday not. questionable, right? Wasn't he wondering? I knew you know he, he was going to play. Everybody understood that he was going to play, but he was banged up too. So much focus as there should have been on Patrick Mahomes and how he played with that ankle, the high ankle sprain. Travis Kelsey also playing hurt, but you couldn't tell.
2: No, he played. He played hurt too. You're right. They, they, this two weeks off is going to help them a ton. It's going to help the quarterback. You know they hope it helps the receivers. It's going to help the tight end. It's going to help their whole team. No question about it. All right, we've got uh, we got a lot. Of, we got to get to. We're going to head out to uh, to Philly. We'll talk to uh, Joe uh, Giglio next. He is uh, he is a, a guy uh, works sports radio in Philly. BetQL guy. We'll get a chance to to ask him uh, how crazy things got in that city. Did you see? At one point, there were a bunch of people standing on top of a bus stop and the thing broke. And you just see, so oh it's my. like in the middle of the street, and you see all these people up, you know, and then they're gone. Ooch.
4: They were greasing the poles at 1 o'clock in the afternoon well, getting ready for yeah, the celebration. Because
2: they, they were worried people were going to be climbing them. I'm sure that didn't stop anyone. Those <laughs> Philly guys like stop and eat dog do, right? Or horse manure, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Mully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Fly! Chicago sports radio six, seven to the score. Jalen hurts. Knows the words, huh? I mean, I wonder if, uh, Justin Fields could sing bear it down for you. We'll find out when they get to the chip. <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. Next year. Let's uh, yeah, let's get out. Smully and Hall on the score. And we got, uh, Joe Giglio, uh, with WIP evenings in Philadelphia. Also, uh, Beck QL network guy, part of the Eagles pregame. And, uh, and delighted to welcome him to the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Joe, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Well, we're living the dream, and it's so much fun to watch uh, the Eagles kind of put this season together. It's pretty extraordinary. You know, um, when I was thinking about the Eagles, it worried me, Nick Sirianni. That was the one element of them going into the season – that I just wasn't sure about. I thought they'd made a great move with the receiver. I thought I'd heard great things about the quarterback, that he was improving, and uh, and obviously we know how good the defense is. But I was I was a little concerned about the coach, and um, lo and behold, he's done a really good job. They've had an extraordinary season, and they're on to the Super Bowl.
6: Yeah, and you weren't the only one. I think Philadelphia was not sold on Nick Sirianni. I mean, you go back; it's funny. Two years, of the day of that opening press conference. I'm sure you guys remember some of the clips from that. Oh. I mean, he just sounded—I mean, he sounded like he had never spoken in front of people before, let alone can he command a room and leave an NFL team. He just seemed so overwhelmed by the moment. And then they start off two and five in his first year. And we were talking to Philadelphia, like, is this a one and done coach? Like, is this a disaster here? I think since then, it's something like twenty four and seven probably the best record in the league since that moment. They're in the Super Bowl. And the thing about him, guys, he, he embraced how the Eagles want to play football from the front office down, which is we're going to adhere to the analytics, right? We're going to throw more than we run. We're going to play the pass on defense. We're going to be very aggressive on fourth downs. Like, we're going to play it the way we think football should be played. He was all in on that. He used it in the games. He's very good in the games. And, uh, and the players obviously have responded to him. It, it's been an incredible run for Sirianni.
4: And he's had a boss that has obviously given him a great roster to work with. Howie Roseman now gets back to the Super Bowl. And, and you look at the progression of Jalen Hurts, and we always talk all the time because of the comparisons here in Chicago, uh, Joe, about Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, the infrastructures there in Philadelphia. How do you describe the job that Howie Roseman has done because he's gone from you know the from the Andy Reid era to obviously winning with Doug Peterson now hitting reset and getting back to the Super Bowl with another head coach
6: yeah i think howie rose a hall of famer and um, you know, he won a second uh pre- executive of the year award a couple of days ago and you look at the list of guys that have won those awards they're they're in the hall of fame uh, and now howie's done something no one's ever done which is take two different teams to the Super Bowl uh, same franchise obviously but two different quarterbacks and coaches within a 6 year span it's it's amazing uh, people here like to say he has nine lives the owner trust him it's almost like a, a family thing like it's almost like he's a son to him or whatever you want to say Like he, he trusts Howie Roseman explicitly with his um with his franchise and Howie fell down came back again fell down came back and and this team I think is the best one he's ever put together that 2017 team was really good it was really deep obviously overcoming the loss of their starting quarterback that year Carson Wentz and Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl but this team is is better like this has been a juggernaut and when Jalen Hurts has played, or he he got hurt in that game against uh, Chicago against the Bears, hurt that shoulder, and he missed two games. When, when Jalen Hurts has played this season, they're sixteen and one, and the one loss was a Monday night game to Washington, in which they had four really fluky kind of turnovers, where the you know receiver catches the ball and he's running for a touchdown and he gets stripped from behind, kind of weird night. Um, but I mean, they're really this close to being undefeated with Hurts through seventeen games, which is incredible.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think when I when I when I saw the game, if someone had told me before the game that Jalen hurts would not throw a touchdown pass, I would have thought, well, the Eagles did not have a very good game, but lo and behold they had it, they wanted a blowout in part because of the problems that uh that were going on with uh the quarterback in uh San Francisco. I mean Brock Purdy getting hurt now they, you got to get to him to hurt him, but the fact of the matter is that that just that pretty much ended any chance they were going to have to score. And that game became a real grindem game. I thought the Niners' defense held on for a while, and then finally the, the Eagles get another touchdown, score twice. And that was it. There was no way they were coming back from 21.
6: Yeah, well, once they got there, you knew it was over. And yeah, you're right about the way the game played out. It was it was ugly. It was grinded out. That Niners' defense is incredible. I haven't seen anyone do as good of a job on the Eagles' offense all year. The one thing, though, we've we kind of noticed over the year with this Eagles team And it reminds me of those old Patriots teams. They could win games any way the game goes. If it's an ugly, grind it out, let's run the football, they do it. They've scored four rushing touchdowns. Obviously, their quarterback can run. And then they've won these games this year where they've thrown for 380 yards and Hurts has dropped back 40 times and thrown the ball down the field. So it's like whatever the game calls for, they could do, and that makes them really dangerous. And it's going to be exciting a couple weeks in Arizona because you could see this kind of game being more of a high-scoring game where they're going to need to throw the ball more to win.
4: Joe, as dynamic of, as a dual threat as Jalen Hurts is running and throwing, I think the most impressive aspect of his, uh, him as a quarterback has been his leadership and his mental toughness. So, naturally, after the game, it seemed like he was very consistent. One more. We've got one more to go. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are going to have this mindset of, all right, we got to the Super Bowl, won the NFC, you're going to exhale. Now, like you see some teams, like the Bengals last year, they obviously wanted to win, but you felt like they were happy to be there. The Eagles – probably not that kind of team going into the Super Bowl They they have that the right mentality and mindset under Nick Sirianni
6: yeah they do and and I think part of that too is how they've built and where they've gotten these players from the last couple of years and, and through these drafts I mean when, when they fell down and they had a tough year a couple of years ago they kind of re-examined like how are we building this team and and then I don't think it's a coincidence they've drafted a bunch of Alabama and Georgia kids the last two years uh you know led by Hertz and Devontae Smith and when I listen to these guys talk, specifically Jalen Hurts, I feel like I'm listening to Nick Saban. It's like the job's not done. Uh, we made too many mistakes. Like we we are haven't played our best football. I mean, it, it, again, like we just talked about, they're they're nearly undefeated with Hurts in there, and they talk as if they've got a lot to correct, which I'm sure they do. But but they don't talk as if they're the dominant team in the NFC. I think that's it, it's how these kids were brought up, uh, specifically in college football, Hurts and Devonte Smith. They uh, they've brought a, a very I think kind of rare young professionalism to this locker room where they just, they're just focused every single day.
2: So hurt is hurts. Is he injured? Is he completely healthy? Will this time off uh, help him and, and tell us a little about his mentality.
6: Yeah, he's, he's injured. Um, and it's a matter of like, pain tolerance at this point and, and the Eagles, and I think you kind of see it the last two games yep. in the kind of contact he's willing to take. Like the, the play in Chicago when he got driven into the ground, that's the fear that that could re-aggravate this injury. I think the other hits, like the one he took yesterday on that drive, where they kind of sealed the game and he scored. Um, he got up and you saw the grimace on his face. I think it, it's painful. Um, it's an SC joint. I think we're, we're kind of used to the AC joint sprain we hear quarterbacks have, but this one is more, more near the collarbone. So you can imagine that kind of pain there, that, that, where the collarbone meets the shoulder. That's where he has the sprain. I don't think he'll be 100% until this, you know, maybe sometime in March. Uh, He needs to just rest this thing, but the two weeks should help him. Um, Last time they had the bye in between the end of the season and the division round, he didn't throw that first week. He just kind of took it easy, and then he ramped it up full practice before the game. I'll be interested to see how they kind of play it this week before they head out to Arizona because I I would think they try to give that shoulder as much rest as they can this next week or so.
4: Quickly, Joe, a lot of winning in Philly lately. The Phillies go to the World Series, and how did – yesterday last night celebration compare
6: (laughs) yeah it was uh this one was more expected that phillies ride came out of nowhere as as baseball sometimes happens in october where a team gets hot but it it, guys it's crazy i I wasn't um around to experience 1980 but that's what everyone keeps talking and telling me about 1980 um you know the eagles in the Super bowl the phillies world series flyers are a, a stanley cup type of team sixers are on the verge of a championship and People are saying it's like 1980 all over again. Uh, we shall see, but it's um, it's been a crazy run here, especially on WIP. We have the Phillies. We have the Eagles, and uh, it's just been, it's been wild for a couple months.
2: Great stuff. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. You got it, guys. That is uh, Joe Giglio from Philly. That's really good stuff. We're going to talk to the great man himself, Tom Thayer. We'll talk to him next. We can talk about uh, some of these weird connections. And what it would be like to be in a city like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a rough town. <laughs> if I just mean a, all the winning. If I'm an official, I would just, I would, I would have to like bow to the crowd. There, like, they're all getting arrested. They're throwing <laughs> snowballs at Santa Claus. It's, it's a tough crew. Did you see that Silver's Lining play? That, I did. That family. You love insane. that movie. That family's insane. <laughs> Mully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio, six seven. The score.